this is Metal Mike, and in this episode, Ryan and I discuss our top 15 favorite rock and metal albums from 2006 to 2010. There's a ton of cool albums that came out during this era that maybe you forgot about. You gotta check it out. Well, Ryan, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast, man. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Ah, I'm doing pretty good, man. Kind of a exciting week. For uh, for hard rock and mellow, we got uh, her uh, hurricane. <laughs> There's hurricanes in, in California, <laughs> but but we've got Heaven's Edge with a new track. It's pretty good, right? Oh, I like it a lot. I listened to it today. It's melodic hard rock. It's it's what they should be doing. I like it. It's called What Could Have Been, and I feel like this one really it's really picking up where they left off with their debut. Yeah, totally. I, I think it's. Um, just a little bit more modern touch on what they're known for. So, you know, it's it's right on par with everything that's been released since the heyday. <laughs> Definitely. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll have some guys from the band pop on, you know, in the next couple of weeks and talk about it. That would be cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anybody from that band is welcome. But tonight, we're not talking about new stuff. Because what we're always usually doing is we're going back in time, and we're going back. We're not going back super far, right? We're not going back no, to the no. early 80s. We're going back to 2006 to 2010. And we did an installment a while back where we did 2000 to 2005, so I feel like we're going to finish off a whole period here. And I, I got to admit, man, going into this, I was thinking, I don't, I don't think there's much. And then, and I think you were struggling with the same thing, it was just constantly thinking of different albums albums that were on the list were getting kicked off it was kind of crazy for me how about for you oh absolutely i thought the same thing i I was thinking that i was going to struggle to find some and then in doing my research as usual we found a a ton of good stuff but i will say that my list um i could have gone with the same old song and dance like i normally do very predictable you know heavy hitters but as I started going, I realized that those heavy hitters, I don't necessarily love what I was hearing from them at that point. And, and so I kind of booted them off for stuff that I was really, really into that I actually listened to. So my list has a few of the heavy hitters, but it is mainly focused on bands that I, I actually crank still and think that they did a hell of a job in that time frame, which wasn't an easy time frame for uh, this kind of music. No, it really wasn't. Well, let's jump right in, man. What, what's 15? Well, I am starting off with a, with a heavy hitter here. <laughs> and uh, it's a good one. I'm starting off with White Snake, Good to Be Bad. So this was their 2008 album. Um, you know, you got songs like Can You Hear the Wind Blow, Lay, your, Lay Down Your Love. Um, all I Want, All I Need is basically the song Is This Love, instrumental <laughs> with the new lyrics and melody over yeah. the top. And it's a little bit harder, but it's got, you know, Aldrich and Reb on there, so that makes it killer. But uh, it's a great comeback, I thought. It, it enters, like I've said before, the the growling phase of Coverdale's career. You know, he started like mixing the growling and singing on Coverdale page, but now he's going like full growl on this album and, uh, you know, to present time. But um, like I said, I thought it was a cool new delivery, but just like the follow-up album and then brand new album they have, which their instrumentation is excellent. I wish that I had an 87 Coverdale ripping on the last three albums because 
they would be sitting next to slip of the tongue in my mind if i had a a heyday coverdale singing these new songs because they do a hell of a job bringing the heavy guitars back so that's why i chose this one as number 15 and you know it's a huge band but they're number 15 which goes to show that this list is going to be pretty strong with some kind of newer comers I'm so glad that you you put this on your list because this would be in my honorable mentions and I just try to keep it brief of like kind of why I didn't rank it higher is that uh, I want to say maybe a couple years before this album they did a live album right but it had some new tracks and yeah um, I thought those new songs were great I remember I think one of them was ready to rock and I was just like because it'd been a while like we've had, before we've had that um that kind of white snake music, you know what I mean? We talk yes. about Restless Heart, and that's really scaled back. So when, yeah. when I heard those songs that he put on the live album, there might there might have been like four songs. I was really optimistic. I was like, I, I really like this. I can't wait till he does a full length album. And then when this came out, this came out, I gotta admit, I was a little bit disappointed. I think there's some really cool songs, uh, especially right. get, I think it's called "Get What You Need." I really like that song, but um, it's yeah. hit or miss. I feel like. There's too much of that old white snake is kind of creeping in. I feel like it's a it's a mix. So like if you really like that bluesy white snake stuff from like sliding in and prior uh, mixed with like the '87 and slip, I feel like that's what this is. But um, I don't know for some reason I never could super 100% connect with it. But it definitely has some cool moments and some cool tracks. But uh, yeah, that's kind of why I didn't rank it higher. So so I think yeah. I'm just I'm stuck, man. Like I actually listened to Slip of the Tongue last week in my car, and it, it's just so good. And I think that's just that's what I wanted, and I didn't get it. But I, I understand why I didn't get it because it's not for everybody. Slip of the Tongue. Oh, dude, it should be like <laughs> it's it's killer and. What I will say about that, like organ-oriented white snake, is I don't go for it at all, and right. it's just like the deep purple stuff. Like I'm not a big organ type of to keyboard guy, so that's why I gravitate gravitate towards '87. You know, the Children of the Nights and then the Slip of the Tongues. Like, yeah, like I said, it should be on everybody's list. So, yeah, there we go. I, I think that's that's a, a good coverage of the the White Snake album. I think for 15, for me, now this was tough because I want to say there was at least two or three other albums that were in this slot and that got just bumped right off the list completely. But once this album came to mind, I was like, you know what, man? I really dig a lot of these songs and I still listen to them today. And it's Foreigners, Can't Slow Down. I, I love oh, this yeah. album, man. And, you know, a lot of people, it's weird because I think some people think like Kelly Hansen is a, um, a Lou Graham wannabe. Like if, they, if they're not familiar with Hurricane and they listen to this and some, I've heard that, you know, in reviews and different comments that, oh, he tries to emulate Lou Graham. I don't hear that. Like when I listen to this album, I just hear it's like Kelly Hansen doing his thing. Now, granted, there might be some moments where it sounds a little Lou Gramish, but but because he's singing Foreigner, you know what I mean? It's just like it's like yeah. how you have to approach these songs because Mick Jones, you know, that's that's the way he writes and that's the way he probably hears the songs. Um, but I love it. I think the title track is great. Can't slow down. Uh, Angel tonight, and then they had a minor hit off this one. Cause I used, it was weird because I used to hear it at work. And uh, we used to have, like, Muzak a long time ago at work, and it was this on some yeah. loop. But the song, When It Comes to Love, it's a really good song, really good ballad, and that's what, like, Foreigner's known for. And then the song, Too Late, I love that song. That sounds like old-school Foreigner. It's got the horns in it and everything. Yeah. But 
I don't know, man. If you're you're a Hurricane fan and you like Foreigner, this is probably right up your alley. Um, maybe like some people just don't get it, but uh, I I enjoy it. I think it's a great album. Yeah, in the uh, incipient phase of this list, I had this album on there, and I decided that um, I just didn't feel it enough to keep it on there. But I did do like a significant amount of like you know refreshment on yes. this album. And it's a lot like Mr. Moonlight, like we talked about yes. before, where the song Can't Slow Down kicks it off, and it never gets harder. No. That's the hardest it gets. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and it's a slight disappointment, especially because I'm such a Kelly Hansen fan like you are, so everything he touches, I gravitate towards. But I'll agree, the songs that you mentioned, I thought the same thing, that, that they're all quality songs it's a quality album and it did sound a lot like a uh kind of old school lou graham foreigner record to me yep. so i thought i thought they kept it real respectable in that fashion so i was very close to having this album on there and actually super pumped that i revisited it because it's been a while and uh now i'm kind of cranking it again <laughs> yeah all right 14 all right 14 okay this might be the end of my dinosaurs, kind of, but... I put ACDC Black Ice on there, okay? Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, they're my boys. Yep. Obviously, they're my, they're my number one band, just like they're, they're your kiss. Yep. It's from 2008, but I will... It, you know, I'm basically more... I'm kind of talking shit more about this album than I'm preaching it um but i will say that war machine rock and roll train which was the single and the song big jack which i really like are killer there's there's the three songs i like and the rest are kind of phoned in you have four songs on here with the word rock in them and three ah. of them have the word rock and roll okay as that in there and i'm just like come on so you know, it was a great tour. Uh, I definitely heard his voice starting to go, like, you know, in the higher parts of Thunderstruck and whatnot. He was really struggling. But I could have made these songs in fifth grade. Let's just be honest. Like, there's just some of them where I just go, holy shit, what happened to my boys on Fly on the Wall? This is just, just phoned-in crap. But these three songs do carry the album for me. And it was the decline of my ACDC purchasing of everything they did and learning everything they did and knowing every note and every song and every solo. So I kept it on the list in honor of my boys. But to be honest, there's three songs out of the whatever 12 that I'm just not into. But that's all I'll say about my boys there. <laughs> nice. I, I remember when it came out. I don't think I've ever heard it. Got nothing to add. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, I'm missing much. I will move on. But, you know, now that I look at my 14, I'm like, I'm kind of on the fence of like, maybe this could have went off the list, but it didn't. But I'm going to rationalize why it needs to be on here. Okay, so All right. 14, I got Vince Neil, Tattoos and Tequila. Okay, now. Not bad. All right, so let me, let me let's, let's think about this. Let's say first, let's start with the bad. Okay, the title track, when you go back and revisit that, has not aged well. 
I think that song, like when I went back and listened to it, I was like, this song's not good, right? Uh, it's just like Vince. I liked, I liked it when it came out. Yeah, when it came out, the song, <laughs> right, where you go back today, you listen to it, it's like, ah, Vince is trying a little too hard. Um, and some of the covers are kind of, don't always come across the greatest. I mean, some of it works, some of it doesn't. So let's talk about what works. And I think this is the thing that made this me put this album on here because one of my favorite Vince performances and just everything about this song is another bad day. I love that song, right? That Nikki wrote that song. It should have been on a Motley Crue album. And I just think Vince just, I just like how he sounds on that. I just feel like it kind of fits him where like it's his style in more of like a modern pop rock song. But I love Another Bad Day. Do you like that song or no? Yeah, I like it. And I actually bought the CD when it came out. So I was super pumped to get anything new Vince Neil. And I, and I remember liking most of the songs. And so far I'm on board with what you're saying about like, some hit and some didn't. Yeah, and then I think for the covers, um, the two that really stand out to me that I re- that I really enjoy are "Another Piece of Meat" by the Scorpions yep. and "Nobody's Fault" by Aerosmith. So I feel like when Vince is on target, he kicks ass. And you know what? Those two remind me of Ryan. They remind me of "Set Me Free" from uh, "Exposed" by <laughs> Sweet. You know what I mean? So I feel like when I yeah. I hear those songs, I'm getting like Vince doing his own heavy take on them. And then some of the other ones, it's just like. It's kind of like comes like Viva Las Vegas and and um, CCR and some of that stuff. I don't know if that's really Vince's stuff, but I think it's cool that he's at least putting himself out there to show like some of his influences and stuff. But um, hit or miss. But I like Another Bad Day so much, and I think Another Piece of Me and Nobody's Fall are so cool that I had to put this on there. So fourteen, done. Right. On. Yeah. And. Shout out to my mom. Uh, she was a huge fan of Long Cool Woman when it was a brand new song when uh-huh. she was a, a youngster. And I thought Vince did a great job of that. So I kind of gravitate towards that as well. Mm. J- just in honor. <laughs> awesome. All right. 13. All right. I got my boy Mike Slammer coming out with <laughs> a band called, or uh, an album called Nowhere Land from 2006. So. Obviously, we this guy's come up a lot in in our podcast and your podcast, and the guy's just an insane talent. And um, the Warwick guitar, Steelhouse Lane, Streets, and pretty much everybody else that we don't know about. But uh, he teams up with a uh, Terry Brock on this album, who's been with pretty much every other band who's killer out there, also. And uh, but I haven't spent years without this album. I've kind of discovered it in my quest to find more. Mike Slammer stuff in the last like maybe couple years, but it's definitely got that Steelhouse Lane vibe with a little bit more guitar virtuosity and at times a little bit more like mature worldy vibe to it. But it works because he's keeping that hard rock thing going and he's just such an insane talent. But you know, it has the huge choruses, the big gang vocals, and that kind of like skipping deep deep guitar a la my favorite solo of all time in mr rainmaker so um if yeah if you want to check out any of this it's um slammer no man's land and uh no uh, not in love uh, higher ground and strength to carry on those are some choice songs if you guys ever want to check it out but um what a talent this guy is 
Nice. I'm not familiar with that, but I, I do like me some Mike Slammer. Yeah, it's worth it, man. I'm telling you, he's really never ceases to deliver. So, number 13, man. Don't misunderstand me. And I had to go with my boys TNT with, uh, depending on what part of the world you live in, it's either Farewell to Arms or it's called Engine. And uh, uh-huh. it's got a different Tony on it, though, right? So this is there's no Tony Harnell; it's Tony Mills, and and rest in peace, Tony Mills. But I think Tony Mills did a pretty good job. I mean, if you if you had to replace somebody, uh, or you had to replace Tony uh, Harnell, I feel like this is the guy to do it from Shy and Shy England, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. I think he does a good yeah. job. You know what I mean? His voice fits. It's not it's not copycat, but it, it it's that same kind of a tone that goes with TNT music. And it was weird. I don't think this. I want to say there might be one or two before this album that Tony Mills is on. And I remember that for whatever one they put out first, maybe it's called like Atlantis was or it something. Atlantis, yeah. yeah in I remember listening to that, and I remember thinking like, "This is bad. Like, this does not have any. <laughs> like, I didn't like it. I, I like this doesn't have any hooks. Like, this doesn't feel right to me." And then. When I went back and I revisited this album, I was like, now this sounds like TNT. And I think there's a couple keys. There's really, it all sounds good. Like, I can listen to the whole thing, but there's three standout tracks. Um, one is Ship in the Night. The other is Don't Misunderstand Me. And then the last song, like Farewell to Arms, is kind of fast. It's kind of like Tell Tales. But I'm telling you... Don't misunderstand me. Has that huge friggin' chorus. The song starts with like the the chorus line and everything. It's just like classic TNT, man. And uh, I really I really enjoy this. And I wanted to bring it up too because I feel like it's it's kind of a forgotten era, an album. You know, people don't yes, talk about it is because right now, especially with Tony Harnell being back. And so how many times have we talked about intuition, tell no tales, you know, uh, realize fantasies? Those all have all come up a lot, but. This album, if you if if people out there haven't heard this album with Tony Mills on vocals, check it out, man. You won't, and you love TNT, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, and I love Shy, so yeah. it's it's it worked for me. I thought the first album was was kind of like basically what you said. This album was a little bit up, it was an upgrade <laughs> compared to the other. But um, dude, where Shy left off, and then. Remember, I brought up that one shy album, uh, "Welcome to the Madhouse," yeah, in the that was earlier good. podcast, and that wasn't Tony Mills. So it's like, you know, we're getting a little bit of both here, right? Um, but I thought he was a really cool replacement, and it's not often that a replacement singer works. But this dude is so talented, and he's got such a great voice, and he's got such good range, just like Harnell. That it was fine, you know. I mean, obviously, we're stoked that Harnell's back. But I thought it was a good choice. I like the album. Definitely, man. Number 12. All right, I got Motley, Saints of Los Angeles. Okay. (laughs) So I got it in, it's a 2008 release. Um, I think the Animal in Me's got some really killer Mick touches, and it's right in Vince's wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, down at the whiskey is a cool one, yeah. and then and then the song "Saints of Los Angeles" is a fairly solid, updated Motley that I can get behind. Yep. 
it fits it fits the band um vince does well obviously that song could be a papa roach song <laughs> right now but uh or like you know any kind of like rap rock band but it works um there was a big 6am influence yeah. and that's that's fine it was that era and that's that dj aspa stuff going on but um i don't know i'm not too stoked on the style of hard rock because it's it isn't my motley crew you know and 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 that's why like we've discussed at length the 94 album and generation swine it's really really great talented hard rock but it's not my motley it's not the yeah. motley that made me feel like a badass and cranking bastard on the way to football practice and whatnot you know what i mean like yep. it wasn't the same motley but it's really solid hard rock yeah. just like 94 swine and this so i'll always hand them that i'll always give them that but you know i know artists have to mature and change to keep it exciting for them but i'm just wondering where the breakover point is of the excitement that spills over for them and the abandonment towards their classic fans yeah I, I know it, it's good enough to inc include on this list, obviously, and, and give Vince the nod. But I'll always think that, you know, um, New Tattoo was more my thing. Even though I, I know you and, and, like, A-Fish, like, you guys preach swine in 94 especially. Yeah. But yeah. to me, like, I, I don't want to sound like a dinosaur. And obviously, I didn't exactly live it since I was a kid in that era. But... It's that it's that breakover point where what's insulting to the fans that got you where you are, yep. and what's respectable to the fact that you're an artist and you have to continue to adapt and change to keep things exciting, which I totally get. But anyway, this album I still dig. Like, I would actually hear it randomly in like a tattoo shop or something like that, mm -hmm. and I'm like, "What's this? this is a Vince solo album? This is killer." I'm like, "Oh shit, it's Motley Scene in Los Angeles." <laughs> like, I gotta pay more attention. So. It's there, dude. That's why it's on the list at number 12, and I gotta give Vince the nod, because he sounded pretty freaking cool on this album. Yeah. I, I will, I'll save my comments. It's, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Good. Alright. Alright. Number 12. You know, this is one of those albums I kinda forget about. You know, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I, but it was it was in, in my memory, and I'm like, I gotta talk about this album. And then I went back and I listened to it, and I was like, man... It's so good. And once again, now I do feel like a cheese ball because I'm going with a lot of my usual heavy hitters. But <laughs> number 12, oh, no. man, I don't care. Megadeth, uh, United Abominations is so good. It's such a good album. And when we did our last list, um, I want us, that was part of this era, you know, from 2000 to 2005, I did The yeah. System Has Failed. And I really like that album, too. I thought that was a really good upgrade from the one that was before that. And I think for this album, I want to say production-wise, this is a real step in the right direction. It's really crisp and clear. It kind of reminds me of the way uh, Rust in Peace sounds. But, um, you know, that it's, it's still Megadeth doing that, like, catchy, melodic uh, thrash metal that they do. And um, I enjoy it, man. It's like Washington is next. Never Walk Alone. Have you, you, do you know that song or no? Dude, I don't know anything about this album. <laughs> I, I know you're not huge. You're not like like you. You had some of the albums back in the day, but you're not huge into them. Go back and listen to "Never Walk Alone." That's such a catchy, okay. great song. The title track. Um, they redid uh, "To La Mode," um, and I want to say it's the girl from Lacuna Coil. Don't quote me on that, but I want to say that's um, who it is. And then there's "Gears of War." Wicked 
freaking cool riff and Gears of War. They just keep saying that. Yeah, it's just wicked good. But um, I don't know, man. I, I'm so glad I went back and I revisited that album because I remember when it came out, I was listening to it like 24-7. So number 12, oh, damn. Megadeth, United Abominations. Yeah, I'm that idiot that stopped at risk in oh, like okay. in, in the late '90s. So, uh, and that's kind of where my CD collection ends of them as well. And I was kind of proud of myself for even like having those. Mm-hmm. But I'll obviously have to like update my Megadeth love because it's about time. Yeah, number eleven. All right. Well, I'm gonna kick it off with Heat, and I Ooh. say kick it off because this is one of those newer bands that came out at that point and there are a couple on here that are debut brand new bands that are like really keeping it hard rock real and i really like it so um i actually included heat um they're self-titled in 2008 and freedom rock in 2010 just because to me it's like they could have made a double album and just carried on but yeah like i said it's, it's very rare of me to connect with a new band because i am such a fan of the classic stuff so um you know between like heat and midnight city and a one other that i'll talk about there's only a handful that i really dig that are retro if you will right. true to form hard rock that i'm really into so um this one's got uh kenny lacremo Le- which i apologize apologize if i butchered his name on the first two albums and then again in the 2022 album but um in between there, there was Eric Grunwald of the Skid Row fame now, yep. and who I absolutely love. Yep. But yeah, the the self titles got it, it's very you know you know the guy Mitch Malloy. Yeah. Yeah. So he was going to sing for Van Halen, and he's got that very happy, poppy, smiley touch <laughs> on his first solo album. It's good, but it's got like a the the self titles got like a a rougher journey vibe to it. Um, You're lying, late night lady. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, it, it's there's some really good stuff on the album. Freedom Rock, Scott, Black Knight, Shelter, Castaway. Basically, it's just, like I said, just an extension of the first album. But to me, it's... it's My little secret is that I would take the Grunwald albums, the Heat Grunwald albums every day over these two, but they didn't fit the time frame. But I still like them a lot. But um, anyway, I suggest checking them out if if no one's heard of them i i believe it's h period each e period a period t uh if you're looking it up but um yeah heat it's a really good um european band that stays very true to form the question is what does h-e-a-t stand for oh dude do you know (laughs) no i don't know (laughs) damn Nor do I. <laughs> okay. I know. You know, like wasp, but you know, it's always a mystery. What does it really mean? What does kiss, yeah, kiss, exactly. does kiss, does kiss mean? really mean? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of the opposite of happy pop stuff. I'm going to go with uh, num- right number 11, Lizzie Borden appointment with death and i think this is such a great album man it's like he's back to his kind of like heavy creepy roots because i feel like like with uh what's the one i'm thinking of a master of disguise great album 
but kind of lost that horror creepy vibe. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's full on back with appointment with death. And um, I also think there's some modern tones kind of get, and you know, I've been meaning to say this, I haven't said it yet, but it's going to come up, I think going forward on a lot of the albums that come up classic modern, you know what I mean? I feel like for the classic bands, it's like they're back to their old style, but they're integrating some modern elements that kind of keep it, current or, or or it could fit with what's going on at that moment and i think that's what lizzie borden did with this one the title track is just killer wicked fast the dual leads um bloody tears oh my god that's a great song tomorrow never <laughs> comes that's a super catchy song under your skin almost sounds that sounds like a more of a modern song but it's so catchy um abnormal it's just it's just good, man, and I've got it written right here, classic modern, and it's going to come up uh, with an, a lot of the albums that are that are ahead for me, and I really enjoy this one. Do you know this album or no? Dude, again, uh, we talked about them, before, or Lizzie Borden, prior in a prior podcast, and I went back and I checked out, I think it was Deal With The Devil. Oh, I yeah, can't remember. that's a great one. But, uh, yeah, and I was really feeling it. I don't know this one because... My dumbass, just like Megadeth, stopped with Master of Disguise because, yep. you know, I look at the back cover of Master of Disguise and they look like every other hair band. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, Killer, I'm going to check this yeah. out. And I bought it and I like it, of course. Like but it could have been, been Vane on the back of that album. You know what I mean? They look like, I know, dude. <laughs> or Babylon AD. You look like everybody else at that point. So. I know. And then I checked out the album that you suggested. So, yeah, obviously I need to, like, spin up on my... On my Lizzie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, I, like I said, and look, a lot of these I just remember listening to them a ton back when they were f- first out, and then some of them, not all of them, but some I've lost track with, and then I haven't listened to Appointment and uh, Death. Uh, is that my saying this right? Appoint, appointment with Death. Sorry, uh, in a while, and then when I went back, I was like, man, it's such a great album. You know, I got to listen to this more often. Yeah, I like what you said. You said, but classic modern, classic modern. It's yeah, it's coming. Yeah, yep. Dude, exactly. I actually know exactly what you're going to say. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> what you're talking about. All right. Number 10. All right, number 10. I got a band named Jesse Strange. I'm not sure if you remember them, but they no. debuted in 92. Mm, no. You never heard of them? Okay. No. Well, Jesse Strange, this album is called Looking for Some Strange from 2006. And this is a very killer, true to form follow up to their epic 92 debut. So um, it's a must. If you ever, if you want to check it out, um, suggest looking up a song called Love on the Telephone. It's from their 92 debut. And it's, it's, dude, it's, I don't know why I never talked about it before, but. I kind of forgot about them. They're awesome. But um, this is like, a, I don't know, later in their career CD that came out, but it like really fits. And it's good, sleazy, nasty, hard rock rippers with some cool mid-tempo sleazy songs. Um, What's Loving For? It reminds me a lot of the uh, the song Hollywood Ending by Motley on New Tattoo. Oh, I like that song. Um, yeah. Looking for some strange, um, my kind of lover, which is not the Billy Squire, my kind of lover, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is also killer. Um, this was a band that should have been huge in like 90, but they 
they were late by two years and they didn't really do anything. But um, I'm pretty sure that this was their immediate follow-up and they shelved it for like, you know, almost 20 years. And uh, I'm just not sure that anybody could be this killer in 2006. So I'm pretty sure they're lying and they probably wrote this in like 91, 92 probably. and released it in uh, 2006. But yeah, Jesse Strange, check him out. I gotta do. I gotta check it out, man. My number. Yeah. I'm dipping into the sabotage bag, but it's not sabotage because they did not have any sabotage albums out during this time frame. But we did have uh, John Oliva's Pain, and this album's called Maniacal Renderings. And I, I gotta Ooh. admit, this is the best John Oliva's Pain album. I even think it's better than probably the last couple Sabotage albums. Like this, this was another one. Hadn't heard it in a long time, and it. I went back and I was like, this album is so good. It's it, it, once again, it, it's it's following the classic modern, and where you can hear that the most is there's a song called Through the Eyes of the King, and it's it's I hate it's weird. It's kind of a ripoff of. Uh, Mountain King, but it's but it's so cool. <laughs> like you, you just give them the pass because it's so good, and <laughs> I feel like it's a little. It's got a little bit of modern stuff going on there that kind of makes it passable. But dude, I know you like a Mountain King album and uh, some of those yeah. other ones. You gotta go check out a couple of these songs. Um, the title track, Maniacal Renderings. It's almost like he's dipping into all the different pockets of Sabotage. So, you know, some songs sound like Gutter Ballet. There's a few that sound like um, Hall of the Mountain King type songs. Then he's got some stuff like Chance with all the, the vocals. He's very experimental on this, but he's also, you know, paying tribute to what he did in the past. Um, the Evil Besides you, uh, Besides You. That's, that's a song that uh, could have been on Gutter Ballet. Time to Die. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send you some of these. You gotta listen to "Time to Die." It's just got like a really catchy, groovy thing going on. It's it's so good. Who's playing God? Holes. It's just wicked creative melodies. And I'm telling you right now, it's way better than the last album that Sabotage did, which is Poets and Mad Men. So I I would think that this is one of those things where I almost feel like. He couldn't use the name sabotage because there was some kind of like drama or, or legal stuff going on, and you know. So when he took a break from Trans uh, Siberian Orchestra, he would do this John Oliva's Pain stuff, and uh, this album's phenomenal. I honestly, looking at it right now, if I could redo my list right in this minute, I guess I could, but I'm not going to. I would actually, <laughs> I, I would, I would put this even higher, but I've got it at ten, so it belongs. It deserves to be higher. So I know that Through the Eyes of the King, and I think I actually have, I might be making this up, but I think I have the CD. Somehow I know the Through the Eyes of the King song okay. quite well, Yeah, and I really liked it, and I was fooled because I thought it was like an outtake from Hall of Mountain King or right. something. Like, like, it's right there, dude, and then I did my research in tracking down what it was, and I was like, John Oliva's Pain, that's a funny title of a band or whatever, but... um. I need to like delve more into this because Time to Die kind of sounds familiar too. Oh, either I have it and I listen to it a lot or so whatever, good. like when, you know, in the mid 2000s or whatever. But I can't remember exactly how I know it, but I do think it's right there along the same veins as the sabotage that I really love. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, you got to dig through the, the crates, try to find that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's on. It's on. You know what's weird though? It's not on Spotify. So if you're gonna jam on it, you're gonna have to go YouTube. So. Oh okay. No problem. All right, man. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, so I'm kind of breaking the rules because I'm pretty sure, just like Jesse Strange, although not confirmed, it's probably their early '90s follow-up. But I'm going Banshee, take them by storm. Nice. So you, you you know I'm a big Banshee guy. It's from 2008, and it's like the rare and new tracks in the Tommy Lee Flood era of this ripping band. Um, their first official release was uh, Race Against Time, which is, in my mind, like an 11 out of 10. Like, it's perfect, hard rock, melodic, hard rock metal. Um, but this album more so picks up where the their first the EP, Cry in the Night, left off. It's a lot less polished and much more metal than melodic hard rock. Um, some of the standouts, standouts are Color Me, uh, The Spell, Stand Strong, Living It Up has this great huge chorus, but I just love the dude's voice. I think it's just like so pissed and raspy with this killer range. I just think they're a killer band, and uh, you know, like I said, if you don't know Banshee, check out Race Against Time. There's a really uh, commercial hard rock song called Shoot Down the Night, which is their first single and video. Yeah, it's good. Which, um, yeah, dude, I, I really dig this band and this song and that album, so... But this is a great album, too, so um, check it out. Take it by storm. Sweet. All right. Number nine, I got to go Wasp, Dominator. And uh, I really dig this album because, for me, there was a period where, like I said, I, I never really connected with the Crimson Idol. And, you know, then he kind of tried to do the industrial thing, brought back Chris Holmes. Then they did the real childish and goofy Hell Dorado. And then, they, you know, they did so kind of all over the place. I don't know if the quality was there for a while with Blackie. But with Dominator, I felt like it was saying goodbye to, like, the wannabe Crimson Idol stuff and all those damn freaking Tom rolls that would, would persist throughout a whole song. <laughs> like, trying to be the who. I hated that shit. So that's why I don't like when he does albums that sound like that. Uh, but this album screams classic modern. This is definitely like we're, we're going back to the older Wasp, but we definitely have some production values that sound like, you know, something that could be out uh, during this time frame. And uh, the song Mercy is so cool. Take Me Up, uh, Burning Man. Uh, but the whole album is good. I can sit and listen to it all the way through, but I think those are the three that really stand out to me. Uh, his voice sounds great. The band sounds great. And... Uh, if you haven't heard it in a long time, go revisit Wasp Dominator. Yeah, I haven't heard it in a long time. I think I pretty much have all their CDs. I'm pretty impressed at how they sound nowadays. Yeah. Like I'm sure I'm sure you've seen some of the live footage on YouTube and whatnot, but dude, great stage show and I don't know. It, <laughs> I'm thinking there might be some tracks going on because Oh my god, yeah, there's definitely sounds... tracks going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's singing. Yeah, he's he's singing to something. I'm not saying he's not singing, but he's singing along to something. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I mean, he sounds great. So I'm thinking, yeah, there could be some help there. Yeah, that's I'm going. <laughs> that's the way of the the way it is lately, I guess. Yeah. All right, man. Number eight. All right, number eight. I think this is my last of the huge guys. But I got the Scorpions, Sting in the Tail, from nice. 2010. Yeah, so this was their quote-unquote 
farewell, farewell. and coinciding <laughs> tour album. Man. There were there was um, the baddest kiss and, my, and Motley Crue. Yeah, I know, I know. Huh? So um, it's definitely like a statement album for them. Like they're back. Uh, you got the hard rock guitars, the hooky choruses. No wonder they thought this was going to be their last album. They said, "Fuck it." I'm sorry. They said, "Screw it. We're going to be." Oh, you can say that. Whatever. You know that <laughs> they're going to be. Uh, you know, this is this is it. We're going back to what we're what we know, and uh, it it really shows. So you got like No Limit, Turn You On, Raised on Rock, Slayed Me has a killer riff to it. But the entire feel of this album reminds me of like a, a harder, crazy world. Yes. Actually, um, I was just thinking. All that. right, I'm. Glad- I'm glad we agree there. Good. It's basically it's like it's like the core guys, but you got James Kotak, who I I think he fits the band really well, and they met him on the um, Monsters of Rock tour yeah. and really got on well with him. And he's a killer drummer. I actually saw them with James Kotak back in the day, and he was a wild man, dude. He did this this usually you know people go get a beer during the drum solos, but he he put on such an entertaining drum solo. He snapped these giant drumsticks over his head and claims to have snapped the the Jack Daniels bottle over his head and all this stuff. <laughs> he, was, he was a great fit to the band. But uh, I feel like they were super conscious in the writing an album that's like this, and it worked. Um, from their, like, post-Face the Heat albums, which obviously I love Face the Heat, yeah. they, they really did a great job, and they really laid on thick the German accent <laughs> thing again, like, you know how Americanized they were in the 80s and oh, early yeah. 90s? And he decided to say, screw it. I'm going with my German roots here. And it was pretty obvious that English was the second language. But it, it works really well. So, man, this was a really cool comeback to me. I don't know why I didn't rank it higher, but um, yeah, eight scorpions. This is one of my honorable mentions, so I guess I'll just discuss it now, is that, you know, I really like, especially Slave Me. I think Slave Me is like the best song yeah. on the album. Uh, Raised on Rock is pretty cool. You nailed it. As soon as you were, I was thinking it, and then you just said it. But yeah, I feel like this is modeled after Crazy World. I, and I've always had, kind of been had mixed emotions on Crazy World because I like um, uh, Savage Amusement so much, and I, and everything. Right. And I think Love Drive to Savage Amusement is like unstoppable group of albums. And then Crazy yes. World is like it. It gets a little bit more commercial, kind of corny and cheesy at times, but but still good. And I feel like this is, yeah, this is kind of like a modern-day crazy world. Uh, so if you like crazy world, you're probably going to love this album. Sting of the Tail uh, is a great song, too, the title track. But, yeah, no, I, I dig this album. Just didn't have enough for me to, to, to make the list, I guess. Yeah. All right. Number eight. And me, I'm like a, I'm like a book, man. You, you, you could, you could figure out my picks any day. Lillian Axe, Waters Rising, and um, there's a couple. There's pros and cons to this album. So the first thing is they're back. You know, I've been waiting for these yeah. guys to do an album since Psycho Schizophrenia because that's one of my favorite Axe albums. So I've been waiting for these guys to do something. So a little background about this album. I had all these tracks, not all these tracks, maybe, okay, let me, let me maybe half of these tracks um, as demos uh, with Ron Taylor singing them. So Ron Taylor does not sing on this album, but I had the demos. You know, hey, man, look, I'll keep it brief, but there was a lot of... Uh, 
you know, tr- album trading, bootleg trading that was going back, out, yeah. going back kind of like in the early days of the internet where you really, we weren't doing file sharing, we weren't that advanced yet, but, but people were sharing lists and somehow I got a hold of these demos. And I remember when I heard these demos with Ron Taylor, I fell in love with a lot of these songs. I was like, this is great. Um, and it was, I was kind of disappointed when it came out that it didn't have Ron. I'll, give, I'll say this. Um, they got Derek LaFave, I think his name is. And Derek yep. sounds almost identical to Ron. And I know I've, I've been very critical of that when it comes to like Todd LaTorre and Jeff Tate. But I feel like for this, it just, I don't know why it doesn't bother me, but it works because I think you need that kind of a raspy voice on these songs. Because I think there was another guy that wasn't raspy um, that that maybe did the album after this, or no, a couple after this, and to me, it just didn't feel right. So I think when you've got somebody who has a similar voice as his, um, it works. Um the other thing that I'm kind of held back on with this one is that I, I could be wrong, but it sounds like it's done with a drum machine, and I don't think the budget, mm-hmm. the, the album sound quality is there, but I think the song quality is so good that it makes up for it. So um, songs to check out if you haven't heard them. The title track, um, that was a new one to me because that was actually written for the album. But then there's songs like Quarantine, which is kind of weird because we actually <laughs> we have experienced quarantine. <laughs> this was pre. This was way pre. God, this is like two thousand seven. So ahead of their time. Visionaries, uh, fear of time, uh, end of the world. So um, just great mm-hmm. songs. When you listen to it, you can tell this is kind of the logical step. Maybe after psycho schizophrenia, you know, I don't think we're ever with Lonely Max ever going back to love and war and the debut. You know, I mean, they've kind of moved past that, but. Um, there's some really unique, you know, that main thing about Lillian Axe is like that, you know, unique melodies, um, melodic solos, just good songs, and, and there's a lot of that on here. So if you've never heard of this album, check it out. Is uh, is Steve Plays the only founding member yeah. on this album? I can't, yeah, he is, yep. huh? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm such a Ron Taylor guy that I kind of ignored it, but I should probably check it out, to be yeah, honest. You, uh, you, if you, I don't know. If you don't really pay attention, you won't even know it's not Ron Taylor. It's that close. So. Oh, okay. Perfect. All right. Number seven. All right. I got Pretty Maids, Wake Up to the Real World. Oh, you can't go wrong with Pretty Maids. No, dude. They're so consistent. So this one's from 2006, and it's Dude, it's amazing. Like, this album, I don't know why I didn't rank it higher, like we say with a lot of these, but um, they surprise me on almost every album at, like, how consistent and how killer they are. But they have just epic hard rock songs as well as those heartfelt, like, hard ballads like I talked about before with his voice. You, you can't really go, like, heartfelt, but, you know, you go, like, hard ballads with this guy. There's nope. no other way to put it, but... At times they're, you know, they're as fast as Maiden, and at times they're as kind of like mid-tempo as like a like a White Snake. But yep. um, it's like an early '90s sin decade uh, '80s sound mm-hmm. in this era for them. But the title track, "Such a Rush," "All in the Name of Love," "Another Shot of Your Love," that's another little sleeper within there. But um, it reminds me of, of uh, Little Drops of Heaven because the chorus builds up such that it's it becomes that huge chorus like Little Drops of Heaven. So I'm not sure how else how to describe it, but, you know, it's a sleeper. But um, they've been at it for so long, and 
they really come through on all their albums, but this one really kind of harks back to the Sin Decade era for me, so I had to put it at seven. And it could have been much higher. Nice. I'm not. I'm, I have to go back and listen to this album. I don't know if I've heard it before or not, but I love Sin Decade and I love uh, Jump the Gun. So if it's anything like those, yeah, I'm in. It is. It's a lot like it, and I kind of figured I'd, I would stop at Sin Decade for them. But then I, I, I kept listening to them, and and they really never let let you down. There are a few that that kind of they waver slightly, but this one is like probably the most true to form comeback that I could imagine they could create at this point. So I uh, definitely check it out. All right, number seven. This is a band that I've kind of preached to you a couple different times, and I I always post on my Twitter account. And this will be the only non-big classic big band that comes off of my list. But I got to go with uh, Nocturnal Rights. And I'm going to pull a U and I'm going to put two albums right on one. This is one of your scams. <laughs> your scams usually pull. So, so Nocturnal Rights, we're going Grand Illusion and uh, Eighth Sin. And this is just Euro power model type stuff, but it's also got a little Bon Jovi and White Snake, especially on these albums. So a lot of people may prefer their earlier sound, but when you get to this era of the band, they definitely um, are letting a lot of that come into the mix, you know, the White Snake vibes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, uh, I think it comes a lot of it carries as the vocalist. I think it's Johnny Lindquist is his name, and he's so good. He's probably from the same part of the world as, as Pretty Maids and um, TNT and all those guys. You know, they're all they're kind of from the same part of the world. But um, if you're going to check out these guys, you got to listen to "Fools Never Die." That's a great song. Our wasted. That's the days. first song on that. Yeah, 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 I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, our wasted days. It's got our wasted days has such a huge chorus. Um, cuts like a knife, and then when you get to the eighth sin, you gotta listen to Never Again. Tell me, you know, White Lion has got to tell me, but this there's a different, but it's still <laughs> still really catchy. And then the power ballad, man, it it, it almost brings you to tears. It's called the only one. I don't know what he's talking about, but he he definitely talks about that that he's been wronged, and it almost seems like something really personal, like maybe not just your typical heartbreak thing. So I don't know what he's talking about, but I definitely <laughs> get a I get a feeling, you know, like wow, this is this means something. So um, check out those tracks and if you're just looking for something different, because you got you gotta admit, like some of this stuff we've either been listening to it for a long time or it's some of our heroes, but they're not completely, you know, in their past glory. Nocturnal Rights is just something different that you just might enjoy. Probably the same way people would enjoy, would enjoy the pre-made stuff. Like it's just, it's maybe something yeah. you're not, you're not listening to all the time, but real solid, great, catchy songs. So yeah, Nocturnal Rights, which also like, it sounds like death metal, the name of the band. So for these, it albums, does. the name does not fit, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to give them another spin because, you know, Spotify suggests other bands, and this is one of them that has come up. And yep. I've definitely checked this out, man. I, I like it a lot, so I'll have to really check it out further. Sweet, man. Well, we're, we're getting down there now. Number six. All right. All right, so I got House of Lords, World Upside Down. So this one, they did an awesome job of picking up where Demons Down left off. So um, 
Got a great opener in uh, These Are The Times, song called S.O.S. and Rock Bottom. Those are like really good choice picks, uh, S.O.S. and Rock Bottom. Um, really great song called All The Pieces. It's a, a great mid-tempo song, but you can't go wrong with James Christian. He's the only original member on this album, but it, you know it's that typical House of Lords sound that, that you might like. But just like I've talked about, I sound like a broken record. You got the White Snake, Warrant, Europe, Winger, Danger, Danger, blah, blah, blah. House of Lords was right there with their first three that were just epic to me. Those first three albums, I'll never stray from those. They're perfect. And this carries on where they left off. So it's a really respectable, modern effort to pick up where Demons Down left off. And I just, like I said, I can't get over this dude's voice. And uh, I put his solo album on one of our other podcasts. And um, he's always going to be up there in my top 10 uh, vocalists of all time. So House of Lords, World Upside Down. Sweet, man. So number six. Go Keel, Streets of Rock and Roll. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, this ain't, this ain't the self-titled, all right? This ain't the 1987 self-titled, but that because that album is, it cannot be matched, I don't think. But, you know, Ron didn't miss a trick, man. This is a guy whose voice has stayed pretty intact, and it was just kind of weird for somebody who's like a screamer, you know what I mean? But his voice yeah. is sounding killer here, and it, it still sounds good today. Um, the only thing, I'm not going to say, it's not a bad thing. But what makes this sound different to me is it sounds a little bit more like 70s or classic, or not not classic rock, but more, well, maybe classic rock, but southern rock influence. You know what I mean? The guitars don't seem as distorted and 80s sounding um, on this album. So I feel like the distortion's toned down, but they still got the dual leads with Ferrari and Brian Jay. Um, Still got those big-ass choruses, man. Um, the title track is awesome. I want to say the title track came from some kind of Brian J other project, but that song's really good. Um, and it tells the story almost of like kind of similar to what the band has been about. It's like kind of like they've been gone and now they're making that comeback. And then um, you've got Hit the Ground Running, Come, yep. Hell, or, Come Hell or High Water, No More Lonely Nights. That does definitely sound like an 80s song. And then there's Live. I love that song. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great album. You can listen to it all the way through. All the songs are cool. And I think for most of us, we probably didn't think Keel was ever going to do anything more. You know what I mean? They did like back in action, but that was just kind of like cleaning up some demos and stuff. But this was on <laughs> Frontiers. Yeah. And kind of weird that that, I think this was this was 2010, and they never did another one, which was kind of weird. He just, now he just does the Ron Keel band. But there is a little charm about keel for me i've always enjoyed keel i know there's a lot of keelaholics out there i think they just did keel fast you know so but uh yeah if you, if you miss streets of rock and roll check it out i didn't miss it i had it on my list up until kind of the 11th hour i really like this album i thought that the the music was right there his voice is slightly aged you know yeah. like it as it would but not that bad. I mean, he, he he still kicks ass, let's just say, but it ain't the, the scream of the right to rock. Nothing will be. But um, 
I really like this album. And like I said, it was, it would have been like number 10, 11 on my list, but I, I knocked it off. Um, but dude, this album's killer. I, I really have nothing bad to say about this album other than like natural aging, which no one right. can help. <laughs> and you know, here's the hard part, and I'll just make one more quick point. And I think this could be also apply to the new Heaven's Edge stuff. And, I, and this is not, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but when like Heaven's Edge really has done, beside from like some demos and some unreleased stuff that they kind of put out there, you know, I don't know, in the 90s the later 90s, yeah. they really haven't done an album, a full-fledged studio album since 1990, okay? So then they come out with some new stuff and you listen to it, you're like, whoa, the guy's voice is aged. Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's been 30, <laughs> 33 years, right? So, but when you listen to ACDC, no, like DC's done an album like almost every two years since the beginning of time. Kiss, Motley, you know what I mean? They've, they've, you know, so like as Vince Neil's voice changed, yes, but you followed it because you've had a lot of albums to kind of take in a gradual change. And I think the Keel one's the same way. Ron Keel's voice sounds incredible on Streets of Rock and Roll, but it's definitely different than 1987's self-titled album. And you, and if you really haven't heard, well, well for me freaks like me, I listened to Larger Than Live, and that was 89. But really, from 89 till then, you didn't have any keel albums you know what i mean so so unless you were following some of his country shit you didn't know what his voice sounded like anymore so then when you go back and you're like oh this is the next thing i've heard since 1987 well yeah like it's it's different but you never had that buffer that a lot of these other legacy acts have had does that make sense yeah and the people that haven't listened to larger than live are the freaks you <laughs> <laughs> you are the man. <laughs> I love that album. That was oh, I wouldn't even go there. All right, number five. <laughs> I got another new one. So this is the debut of Reckless Love. Oh, so man. Dude, I love this band. These guys really picked up where the 1990 rippers left off. So uh, you got Ollie Herman. He's the stud lead vocalist. He's like a, a Vince Brett Roth guy all in one. You know, he's got the look, the body, the sound. He's awesome. So, you know, like I said, it's it's tough to get me stoked on anything new you got the crazy licks and the crash diet and the reckless loves and blah 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 and they're all cool they're all great they're all harking back to where you know where it should be but these guys really i don't know what it was but they really like made a name with me um there's a song called badass there's love machine the song called sex <laughs> funny title but it's a it's a killer like cars-esque mid-tempo but my favorite is the song um, Beautiful Bomb. And they have followed the Love Bomb Baby recipe nice. to a T with the, uh, the, the, first, the first, the opener is the chorus. So just like Love Baby, it, and they, I know it was planned. Like, there's no way it couldn't have been planned. But um, it's awesome. It still works really well. And um, if you're going to rip off any song, like, that's the one I would have ripped off. Uh, but but they're still at it. They're, they have really good follow up albums. I would highly suggest checking out Reckless Love if you're looking to discover anything new that is um, harking back to what we love. So check them out. Nice. Okay. Number five. Number five. 
Stripler, Murder by Pride. Uh, All right. I love this album. And it, let me, look, I gotta, I'll try to keep it brief, but I got a lot to say about this album. Okay. I don't connect with all the new Striper albums. Some I do, some I don't. So, you know, like, I've got, I see so many people say, like, these new Striper albums, they're, they're better than the old stuff. They're the best things I've ever heard. There has been a, quite a few of them that I'm like, I don't hear it. It just doesn't register with me. You know what I mean? I, I just prefer their older stuff. Murder by Pride's yeah. a little different. For something, there's something about that album. I don't know if the songwriting is better than usual or there's something that I'm hearing that, that I didn't hear on other ones, but I love it. And um, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say this, the title track, Murder by Pride, for me, is one of the best modern metal songs by like a classic band that I've probably ever heard. Or, or it's, one of, it's up there on the list because it just sounds so true to that kind of music. Sometimes people are like, it's like wannabe. They're trying really hard to create something that sounds 80s. But this just... Like naturally sounds like it could have came from the '80s, and it's just it's just so good. Um, another cool thing that I I've liked about the modern Striper stuff, and especially on this album. Now you know I'm a Christian. I have no problem with very direct Christian lyrics. So if you look back to Soldiers Under Command, I mean you know they're it's just very direct. You know Jesus King of Kings. It, it, there's no question of what they're talking about you know it's very direct um it's just it's almost like you're saying the same kind of stuff but you're just doing it in a more intelligent way that could have come from age because they were really young when they did like soldiers under command you know what i mean so like it was just very direct you know uh just just putting it out there and that's there's nothing wrong with that but i think i think as they got older they kind of could look at things a little bit differently and maybe just approach it more intelligently and um but there's just so many great songs. Mercy over blame. One song you gotta listen to. I'll send it to you. Oh, you gotta listen. To, you gotta listen to Murder by Pride, and you gotta listen to the song Run in You. It totally sounds like if you mixed Bon Jovi right with the sound that Kiss got, like on Kiss Unplugged. If you morphed all that and put Striper all in a blender, that's what you would get. And it's really cool. And they do a cover of Boston on there because Michael Sweet was in Boston for like a little brief. For a hot minute, yeah, I remember that. So I love that album. There's a there's a lot going on there, and he's another guy. You know, his voice I think has stood up pretty well. Once again, you can't listen to this and then go back to listen to Soldiers and say he sounds exactly the same. But he's he's still got a pretty strong voice uh, even today. So that's I'm done with my spiel. (laughs) Yeah, no, dude, very very respectable spiel on that one because. You actually uh, suggested I go back to this album and check out Murder by Pride. Yeah. Um, when we were doing a, a different podcast. And I did. And this one did make my honor, honorable mention list because of your suggestion. So um, this is one of those albums that really goes back to like where they, they could be and should be at that yeah. point. Yep. And, dude, they kick, they kick ass on this album. And the title track is amazing. So... I, I took your advice and I checked it out and it has since become one of my kind of choice striper albums. So sweet, good suggestion. Awesome. All right, number four. Yeah. All right, I got Tango Down, Damage Control from two thousand nine. You ever hear of them? Uh, I've heard, I don't know if I've heard their music. I've heard of them. Yeah, they're 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 really respectable bands. So uh, let's see. We got a song called "I Can't Wait." Um, I'm done loving you, but. If anybody's going to check this out and listen to what we're saying, Tango Down, Step by Step, will be in your head for a week if you listen to it. It's got this just amazing chorus, 
and it, it kicks the song off like Love Bomb Baby with the chorus. So it's called Step by Step. Check it out. Um, Alex Barbieri is the singer on this one. Um, you had David Reese of Accept and Bangalore Choir on the other albums, and um, there it's equally killer. Um, but this one's like an updated hard rock, and I'd have to say that like half the songs are a little bit like too much updated hard rock, and then half the songs are solid, hard, melodic, true-to-form rock that I'm like really used to. So I definitely look into the to the, the middle two of these albums. There's a debut that I don't, I don't really know much about, and there's a, a recent album that I don't know much about. But the one with David Reese and this one called Damage Control are really cool, um, updated hard rock with harken back to the big chorus albums. So definitely give it a shot. Nice, and I love David Reese. So good. Yeah. All right, number four. Paul Stanley, live to win. And Ooh, uh, I thought it'd be number one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's possible. It's got, it's got, it's, it's got a couple setbacks, which we'll talk about. But um, the whole thing, man, overall is is great. You know, and this this one screams modern classic because it's I got see. the catchy stuff. You know, we're gonna get into things about it that that makes it sound that way, but. Um, it definitely sounds modern as well. Um, there's there's some drum machine stuff on here, you know, and it's blatant. It's supposed to be drum machine, you know, which is kind of unusual for, for Paul Stanley to do stuff like that. Um, you know, some of these I feel like couldn't be Kiss songs. Some maybe could be, you know what I mean? I, I, do, I do like that he, you know, I think that's the whole point of a solo album. Let's not put out something that sounds exactly like Kiss. Let's do something different. Um, this is probably yeah. the last time we hear his voice in good shape. I feel like his voice kind of started to die out, you know, after 2006. A lot of catchy-ass choruses, man. These There's some catchy stuff on here. Wake Up Screaming, the title track. One song i got to mention because I, I just hope someday some artist redoes this song because the song, Every Time I See You Around, it's kind of like the modern day forever, but it's such a cool song, and I just don't know how it did not make it. And I'm, t- I'm, I'm, sh- I'm not shitting you. Right now, Ryan, Michael Kelly Smith is trying to call me. <laughs> no way. I swear, I swear to God, man. Um, I should. Just, hey, if you want to pick up, you go I, right ahead. I should just bring him right into the call. I don't know why the hell he's calling me, but um, now I'm just gonna let it go to voicemail. But uh, that is, uh, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is he calling dude, me for? In 1988, would you ever think that Michael Kelly Smith would go to voicemail? No. No, that that <laughs> was so that was so funny because uh, we were gonna we were thinking about maybe doing something on Sunday, um, but uh, yeah, uh, now he he just messed me up. I should keep this all in too. I shouldn't even edit it. Uh, <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> well, like I said, somebody should redo every time I see you around. Uh, there's also a song called Bulletproof. It definitely sounds like something that could have been on Hot in the Shade. There's a couple things that make this sound classic. Okay, we got Desmond Child writing some songs on here. We've got Holly Knight writing some stuff on here. Mm, We've got John mm-hmm. Five playing some leads. Not that he would make it sound classic per se, but he's a killer guitar player. And uh, it's just, it's it's good stuff, man. It's catchy, great melodies. Paul being Paul. Some of it's really sappy, you know, probably even too sappy for Kiss. But uh, I love it, you know. 
it, it's 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 Kiss. It's Paul. What can I say? So. Well, I mean, to a much lesser extent, remember when I put Dave Menachetti's solo album from Y&T yeah. on one of our lists? And I was like, why didn't this guy just put this as a Y&T album? It's a bigger name. It's really, really quality hard rock. Like, what happened? Like, it seems like this album could have been a Kiss album and much more well-received. So I always wonder why this occurs. Probably money. Oh, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, you don't want to share the money with the rest of the guys. Uh, what, what's no. your three? All right, number three. I'm cheating again. This one is Alias, Never Say Never, released in 2009. Hey. It's released in 2009. I'm going with the time frame. Okay. But it is their, it is their 1992 follow-up, I think. So, um, Alias came out with a really cool 1990 album, which is like perfect, melodic, hard rock, very polished. But this album, I'm very biased because it has a lot of songs that James Christian from House of Lords recorded. But this one has... Woman Enough, Wild Wild One, Pleasure and Pain, The Warden. It's just really epic 1992, early 90s hard rock. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these songs were tailored to that era. And like we've done before, I've, I've said that you know, I, I wish hard rock would have continued on to this this era, you know, with the wild sides and the saints and sinners and whatnot, but you know, something happened and a lot of these people lost their minds and thought that dudes looked like homeless people singing about depressing crap were cooler than the aliases and the house of lords of the world. So they put those people out. So, um, but it's just great melodic hard rock. And I think alias is one of those bands that doesn't get enough nods and, uh, I'm giving a nod this right now at number three. So, um, Check it out. Never say never. Nice. I did not know they had anything beyond their debut. So cool. <laughs> I know. A lot of people don't, but it's, yeah, I'm telling you, man, the songwriting skill of this band is great. And it goes to show because there was a lot of song sharing at that point with a lot of the other um, melodic hard rock artists. And, and this was one of them. Um, number three. <laughs> is Winger 4. And now I feel like I should have ah, just, okay. just, just put Winger 4 at 4. That would have been so much cooler. But but uh, <laughs> the Winger 3... Winger 3 is... Uh, Winger, no, I'm all confused. Winger Winger 3 is Paul. All right, let me, let me get myself a shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm still shook exactly. up over this Michael Kelly Smith thing. Um, so Winger 4, you know, um, these guys are evolving. They're maturing. It's a nice follow-up to Paul. Guitar work is super good on this album. Uh, I love Your Great Escape disappear and you can't touch living just to die such a good song um i know and uh you know i feel like i think you and i both said this after this winger kind of got kind of heavy like they were trying to be very heavy for um uh the next album which i think was karma but i think this pocket that they're in here is really cool once again it's classic modern they're not it's not a complete retread but it's familiar so uh i love this album this is one i like to go back to a lot and uh very good sound quality, great musicianship. Yeah, 
That's what Winger's all about. Or should be all about. I know. I know, dude. And I put it on my honorable mentions. It was close, but Living Just to Die is right there with the songs on um, In the Heart of the Young and more so Pole. But it's so good. And I thought, oh, God, I, I should include my, my boys in Winger. But I didn't because the rest of it just didn't really click with me. And it, it was one of those that wasn't in their big three initial first albums. And I just don't gravitate towards it much more than that one song. So I don't know. I'll give it another shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is your numero rag two? This is your two? This is my two. This is your two. All right. Let's, let's hear it. Well, this one makes sense. This is... Tiger Tales 2.0 Berserk. <laughs> now, this is what I can say I legitimately forgot about, but I don't know if it would have made my list, but let's hear it, man. Oh, dude. This almost made my number one, and I'll tell you why. Because, okay, here's why it didn't make my number one. Because if we ever do a strictly top 10 or 15 glam metal albums of all time, Tiger Tales Berserk is hands down my favorite glam metal album of all time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, it couldn't be number one, but it's number two. So, it's their 2006 um, updated great sound. They, you know, they got that that ancient Egypt uh, slash computer glitchy noise <laughs> album thing going on with the, the first uh, the intro and all that, just like they do on uh, Six Sex on Berserk. But, um, again, they use the same recipe as, as Berserk. Um, the song Do It Up is the first song, and it's like, I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a better follow-up to Berserk than Do It Up. Um, the, the, it's the, the Love Overload intro copy of One Beat of Your Heart is right there. I believe is the same format as Heaven. It's a great ballad on Berserk. Um, Kim Hooker still got that, like, borderline out-of-key, really good vocals thing he's got going on. <laughs> Which I, I somehow love. Um, but there are a lot of songs from 90, 1992's Was Bones album on there. Uh, Dirty Needles and Make Me Bleed. Mm -hmm. You got the three... Yeah, the, the three original members are in the band. But yeah, if you're going to check this out, do it up. One beat of your heart. Get ready. Dirty Needles um, for hate's sake. And um, you can't knock a band that replaces all of their S's with Z's. <laughs> you know, it just makes it, it makes it that much more killer. So, uh, yeah, check it out if you haven't already. Tiger Tales 2.0. Nice. That, that's one I'm like not super familiar with. I've, I've definitely scanned over it, but I, I got to give it some more love. I got I got to give it a shot. It's worth it, dude. For real. <laughs> All right. I sure everybody knows this one was coming eventually. So number two. Kiss Sonic Boom. So this is this is almost the perfect classic Kiss album that we've been waiting for. But there's problems with it. But but I've I've got it high because it's Kiss and, and there is a lot I like about it. Uh, Modern Day yeah. Delilah was a great comeback track for these guys. You know what I mean? It's about time they kind of made some music that sounded like you know early Kiss. Never enough. Danger us. Say yeah. 
Um, Gene has a couple cool tracks, Yes I Know and I'm an Animal. They even let Tommy and Eric sing a couple tracks, but I think the problem, here's a couple of the issues that I have with the album. But like I said, a lot of cool songs, but I think we've got Eric and Tommy, they're very neutered, and I think they're tasked to sound exactly like Ace and Peter on this album. And not cool in a lot of ways because Eric Singer is a beast. Let's let him rip, you know what I mean? Let's not let's not neuter him, you know? And I feel like Gene is trying really hard to make himself sound like he's back in his 20s. Like he's he's trying to sing very clear in a lot of spots cuz if you listen to like Early Kiss, his voice isn't that gnarly, you know, on the first couple albums. But yeah. I kind of like when Gene Simmons sounds really nasty and you know, cruddy like he does on Creatures of the Night. So I I kind of wish he sounded more like that on this. And the big problem is as we talked about, like I said, at 2006, after that, Paul's voice started to go, and um, they're trying to hide it, you know, putting a lot of compression and effects and different things to try to hide it, but you can hear it where he's really straining, and live, sometimes that's okay, because it's so loud, but man, when you're listening to this on your headphones, you know, there, there ain't no hiding it, you know, so, some of them ain't right, you know, and, and, that, yeah. you know, and that's the guy that... Man, is you, I know you're not the biggest Kiss fan, but you know what he was doing in the 80s. It, it was almost like yeah. freakish. You know what I mean? On Crazy Nights and stuff. It's freakish what his voice was. And to kind of see where he, he, he started to go here and then even worse on Monster, it's almost just it's just sad as a fan. You know, you, you know, you, I, he's still good. He's, he's still got a lot to offer, but it's just not as that awesome greatness that he once had and it's sometimes it's just kind of hard to listen to so but there's a lot of cool things going on it was it was really the approach they, they took the right approach there was no outside writers they produced it themselves all the just the four guys played on it or at least that's how they sold it you know and, and things in the past when they brought back ace and peter that wasn't what they did you know they had outside players and writers and you name it so they had the right approach a lot of the right things were there couple things didn't work but i'll still rate it number two so great album cover yeah and once again they tried you know they they had the same guy who did uh rock and roll over so it's a cool it's a yeah. cool, bright vibrant album cover that has that 70s vibe so you know they 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 made a good swing at it took a good swing at it they thought they were acdc because i think didn't dc do the walmart only thing before them was that was that black ice mm-hmm. That they did that with? Yep, that, okay. that was it. Yep, so yep. so they, they took a, uh, a trick out of their book. And uh, just one quick thing about this that it was just, it was a cool time to be a Kiss fan because Kiss had a, just a little bit of a resurgence because they were on a lot of talk shows. Um, you could go into Walmart and buy Kiss M&Ms, you know what I mean? And Kiss t-shirts and Kiss makeup kits because this album came out in the fall, right, you know, before Halloween. So there, there's a lot of cool stuff going on around this time. So uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> All right, what's, what's yeah, your yeah. what's your number one? <laughs> oh, dude, don't worry about. It. I I think that is a great choice by you. And being not a huge Kiss fan, mm-hmm. I heard the album. I like the songs. And I thought the album cover was very true to form. So that's why I brought that up. <laughs> yeah. No, it really was. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it, man. I can't wait. Number one. All right. Number one. My boys in Rat Infestation ah, 2010. <laughs> glad you put it on there. Good. 
All right, good. So this is one of my only examples of a band not going full dumb in the 2000s. I mean, I'm I'm talking like this is one of those bands that I could put this right next to their 80s albums. Um, I don't know. The, the first three songs, Eat Em Up Alive, Best of Me, A Little Too Much, like Lost Weekend, Take Me Home, they're all great attempts. Mm-hmm. And Piercy was just, it, it seemed like he was a really a really good piercing mode for him. I don't know. I I thought it fit. Um, you got you got Stephen Pierce, you got Martini, you got Blotzer, you got Carlos Cavazzo, really cool combination with those guys. And they got Robbie Crane, who I dig, but it wasn't Juan, you know? Like, I love Juan. He's the Michael Anthony of Rat. You know, he's got that killer backup voice, flopping around the stage, great bass player. He wasn't there. I was kind of bummed, and I almost didn't put it as number one because of that, but they still pulled it off really well. I thought that Rat did a great job of, of being an updated, true-to-form, hard rock killer, stand right next to Detonator. In fact, I thought for a minute there that, that Can't Wait on Love should have been or could have been on this album. <laughs> as much as I love Detonator, but this is one of those albums where I, I could put it right next to those and make it sound good. So, you know, that's my number one. I'm glad you put it on the list. This was in my honorables. And, and let me explain myself. A lot of people would probably be screaming or are screaming at me right now. Like, how could this not have been on your list? Um, I remember right as I started to piece this list together, this was probably the first album that was that I thought of. And um, I went back and I listened to it. And I could say that, you know, Eat Me Alive, Best of Me, and um, A Little Too Much are like the three best tracks on the album. And then, for some reason, I'm just saying for me, just speaking for me, the the rest of the album doesn't sound bad, but it doesn't jump out at me at all. And I all I can think really? of is to when I think back to um, what's the one that I love there, uh, "Reach for the Sky." I feel like the yeah. album gets stronger at the end. You know what I mean? Like those last three tracks. You know, like "What's It Gonna Be" and uh, and uh, all that stuff. I love those songs. Uh, what I'm after, and I just, I don't know, for something about oh, yeah. it. So when I went back and revisited it, I was like, man, I don't think I like this album as much as I thought that I did. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's cool that he's bad. I mean, you're right. The song, when it when it works, it works. But I think if I had to put this album like as a partner to another one of their albums, I think I'd put it with Dancing Undercover. Like some really, couple really strong tracks, and then for me it's just a lot of forgettable tracks. Like I just, they don't stand out to me for some reason. So I want to like it. And I went back, and, and that's what I did with all these. I went back and listened to, to all of them to see, like, where, how do I feel about this today? And for yeah. some reason, Infestation just wasn't grabbing my attention. Like I said, a couple strong tracks, and then I, it just lost me. Like, I just wasn't, I was out. I couldn't, I wasn't, you know, wasn't grabbing me. So, I don't know. Oh, dude, I'm right there with you. Like I told you, I, I took off a lot of my dinosaur, like, hard, like, the huge guys, because... I wasn't feeling it, but this one I still feel, and I still think it's a really cool follow-up. Um, and the reason I, I brought up Can't Wait on Love is because it must have been right when I got into Detonator more so than I ever have before, and I was like, wait, where's that song Can't Wait on Love? Isn't it on the infestation? Wait, what the hell? What's going, what's going on? And it wasn't, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's on their epic 1990 infestation. Sorry. Um, detonator album so I dude I don't know I'm right 
I'm I'm kind of with you, but um, I still love dancing undercover. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. Well, this one was weird because I I was a hundred percent sure that Sonic Boom was going to be my number one, and then yep. you know, and then as you know, you probably can guess what my number one is. And it- Los Angeles and and the reason why I, I put it over Kiss is because I think Crew did a better job with the classic modern you know what I mean I feel like Kiss was so avoided the modern so hard that it almost was just like too copycatish you know what I mean I feel like that's the joy or the charm of like a new album by somebody like there's just a little taste of of, of something that's going on today in there even if it's just a, a slight you know just a little sprinkle on it and I feel like Kiss tried so hard to be like old Kiss but that it was almost forced at times you know what I mean like they made mm-hmm. Tommy Thayer you know almost copy old solos from Ace I think that's a little overboard where Saints of Los Angeles I felt like this feels like classic Motley Crue just making an album in the modern day, and I think that's the way you're kind of supposed to do it because the song Saints of Late Los Angeles totally reminds me of Wild Side, you know, or it has that vibe, you know. And then you think of some of the other stuff, you know, like Chicks Equal Trouble. I mean, that's so corny <laughs> and cheesy, but that sounds exactly like something that could be on Girls, 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 you know what I mean? Or, or New Tattoo, you know. I just feel like they were very true on a lot of it to the subject matter. Um, and I think the thing that really helps me, um, and if you want to kind of put this up against New Tattoo, it's the drums, man. Like, nothing against Randy Castillo. They may have told them to play a more simplified way because, you know, they were doing more simplified music. But I think when you got Tommy's crazy-ass drums on there, it just, that makes it Motley Crue in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, that's why that's why I love oh, yeah. this. The drums are so powerful and so sick. And you're right, Vince sounds really good on this. The only thing I don't like about Vince on this album is I feel like to try to hide some of the imperfections of his voice, the voice is layered like like there's harmonies throughout the whole song or something. You know what I mean? Like there's you can yeah. if you listen really closely, a lot of songs there's like three voices through the whole song, which I think's a little excessive. So and, and Vince can still sound good around this time because like I said, he sounds good on that um that album that I mentioned, the tequila, whatever the hell yeah, it's called. Yeah, <laughs> tequila. Yeah, but um, <laughs> da- same. Tra- I like a lot of the tracks you do. Um, Down at the whiskey. Um, yeah, um, ju- I love just another psycho. I think that's one of my favorite songs on there. It's so catchy. Animal in me. You know, another track that I never paid much attention to, and it started popping up like same thing with Spotify was Welcome to the Machine. And I just think this, that song and the subject matter is so cool because it's almost it's almost like fake on um, New Tattoo, you know, bitching about the friggin' uh, record label, just using them as pawns and everything. So there's a lot of cool subject matter. My only gripe is though I said I kind of like that there was a little bit of modernness to it. It's almost like too much sometimes. And you're right. It does yeah. sound like it could be this is Motley Crue performing a 6 a.m. song. So I do get that vibe at certain times. You know, some of the songs definitely don't feel like Motley Crue but I would say that probably 80% of them do and uh, it's just enough for me to say you know this is my number one I do like it and and I think it's grown on me more over the years than it even did when it came out so I got to what I got a number one man like my you're such a dedicated Vince guy I know I, I thought I thought I was the dedicated Vince no. guy like, like like he's so 
he's so killer and he's like my number one 80s singer dude like in all aspects but you're so dedicated to Vince I, I, I respect it big time that's crazy I, I, I really like the Tommy drums like I, as much as I knock his weird hip hop yeah. taste and it kind of like brought down Motley to a certain extent he really God, he's a monster. He like it, it's 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 hard to knock that dude. That's so good. So everything, yeah. And the problem is, like, when I was reading the Dirt in two thousand, I think it came out in two thousand one or something. I, I I believe the book. I was like, man, it'd be cool if they wrote an album of all these stories. Yep. And then it, and I, and I was thinking that, and and obviously I I'm not taking credit for that, but they did a great job of thinking that it would be a cool idea to um, write like an autobiography of their their shenanigans really yeah and so they, they kind of did that on this album and, and it works really well I thought it was really cool yeah no I agree I, I think that that was kind of cool putting some of the book stories into the album and uh, I think as as too is you know as you get older um, as an artist like Molly Crew, it's like it kind of it has to get hard on coming up with things to sing about. You know what I mean? Because it's <laughs> yeah, like you know totally. what I mean. Like you know, when you get to be in your fifties, that's probably where they were when they did this album. Can they really sing the same exact type of lyrical content that they did in '87? and not sound creepy like they might you know what i mean but at least if if you kind of put it under the veil of i'm telling you a story from our past it, it works a little easier so i think with that part they did you know they did do a nice job and uh you know white trash circus and chicks equal trouble like to me that just sounds like typical you know like sleazy crazy motley Crue subject matter so you know i think i think the the most of the real crew elements are here so it works you mean you can't say she's only fifteen? <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, uh, I, re I respect the number one. <laughs> anything that you need to mention that that was like almost made it that uh, that didn't make it? Any any notable yeah. ones? Yeah, I got uh, Ted Poley. He released some really cool stuff back then. It was Ted Poley, Salams, and Napoleon Rivera. Uh, you got Bonfire, you got Terry Brock, Warrant came out with Born Again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Ax Axel Rudy, Crocus came out with some. Pretty Maids actually came out with a different one, Pandemonium, which had Little Drops of Heaven on there, so that was a huge hit for them. Um, Foreigner, I said, uh, Def Leppard, and um, YMT. Nice, nice. I luckily for me, dude, you bailed me out. You mentioned most of my honorables, so I was able to throw my thoughts in. So that worked out great. Um, one that got bumped off. Well, I told you it was Infestation, um, Obsession with Mike Vissera had the album Carnival. Oh yeah, had the album Carnival of Lies, and that was on there. But I really think so. One thing I noticed about a lot of these albums, and you might have noticed this too, there's like some, there's like two or three excellent songs, right? And then there's a bunch of other songs that are like, they're decent, but they're not incredible. So I think if you want to go back, listen to just the song, a, a Carnival of Lies by Obsession. It's so good. It's so 80s. And another band, I wanted to put more that were like, not the usual fare that I do. That's why I was glad I could put Nocturnal Rights on there. But there's another band that's like those guys, similar, called Master Plan. You ever heard of these guys? Um, no. I really like Master Plan. And uh, look for the track um, Lost and Gone by Master Plan. 
so good. And once again, it's a good song. It just I don't know if the album captivates me, but but I was I think I was discovering a lot of different tunes, and that could be from the on the the onset of things like Spotify making recommendations. You know, I hear this song and I'm like, oh my god, yep. this song's so great. Maybe the whole album didn't do it for me, but um. But some of the songs did. So, yeah, that's all I got. So, all right, brother, cool. man, it was fun. I'm glad that we finally got to do this. I'm sure some people were wondering, where where has the metal cast gone? Because I was kind of quiet for most of the month. Uh, but uh, it, it ain't over. Life happens. There's more. Man, when you got Michael Kelly Smith calling you, texting you, you know, you know it's not <laughs> over yet. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, I might sit high. I will. All right, brother. Well, nice chatting with you. And, uh. Uh, I'm sure we'll be coming up with some more ideas soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, dude. Have a good night. Well, that was great. Revisiting 2006 to 2010. Hope you enjoyed it. Rock on!